Hey, what's going on? It's at the letters Arden Swelling and Ben Nicholson Smith for the week of Monday, April 6th. Ben and I still in isolation, still adjusting to our new normal. Ben, where are you at in that process? Do you have any further isolation tips for us? Well, I have been able to use the balcony a little bit, which is great. Kind of opens things up. It's been nice and warm, so that's good. It's a whole new world out there. Exactly, right? I think it's really settling in that this is just the new normal. It's not like a little lapse away from everything else. This is just what's going to be happening for months now. So I'm gradually kind of getting used to it. No new like pressing revelations, but it definitely is a new reality setting in. I've had a bit of a revelation. Let's hear it. You know, back in the old world four weeks ago, which feels like, I don't know, four years ago at this point, when I'd go to the gym, like my warm up was just five minutes on the treadmill, just run, get the heart rate going, and then I'm straight into the workout. So now I'm like working out at home and I'm adjusting things accordingly. I don't have a treadmill at home. And until now, it's been pretty cold outside. So it's like, am I really going to like bundle up to go run outside and get the heart rate up? So now I'm doing this stretching routine as a warm up. And let me tell you, everybody who was preaching stretching for the last however many years, they were right then. <laughs> they were totally right. A new discovery for you? I've never been a stretcher. Like I've just never been a guy who stretches like at any point. Like, you know, I've played rugby for like 10, 12 years now. And like, I've just never been a big stretching guy. And now I've just before every workout been doing the stretching. I feel great, man. It is such a nice, relaxing calming thing to do. I would recommend it to everybody who is isolated and stuck at home right now. Take like 10, 15 minutes of your day and just stretch. It's great. Yeah, I can see that. It definitely is a time that we're not using our bodies to move around nearly as much as usual. And any sort of, you know, rec sports leagues or pro sports leagues obviously are canceled and shut down. So it does make sense that that would help. I've done like a little bit of that. I haven't gone into the full stretching routines, but definitely makes a workout go better for sure if you're stretching before. You know, it is like I've got a bias against yoga, kind of, right? And I want to be clear, this is stretching. This is not a lifestyle, you know, like you don't have to buy clothes and you don't have to like change who you are as a person. It's like CrossFit, right? It's like, you know, it doesn't have to be your identity as a human. Like this can just be the exercise. So you're just stretching and just put on a podcast or some music or even like stretching in silence, let me tell you, is great. And just focusing on the stretch and breathing and thinking about that mind muscle connection a little bit. It's just 10 to 15 minutes a day. Get off the screen. It's nice. Yeah, that's the key, right? Getting away from the screen because even you know, you think about any socializing that happens now, like it's all through a screen, right? So it is kind of nice in a sense where you can connect so quickly and so easily, but we spend so much time on the screen. So yeah, like you said, having that chance for just a few minutes, stretching, kind of preparing for that workout or that run or whatever it is, it definitely makes a difference. We sit in front of these screens all day. And then when we go out for like our walk, which is like supposed to be our time away from the screen, we just take a smaller screen with us. So you have to get away from the screens entirely still no baseball no professional sports at all if you want to hear my thoughts and ben's thoughts on whether or not there is going to be baseball in 2020 you can listen to the last two weeks of the podcast when we went through that pretty thoroughly gave our opinions thoroughly on that but like i do want to at least point out 
kind of the cautionary tale that is arising in Japan right now. You know, in Japan, they experienced their original outbreak months ago, as most Asian countries did. That's where the pandemic began over in that part of the world. And they appeared to have it under control to a certain degree for a while. But now we're starting to see a second wave in Japan, where the total number of cases after their plateau has now increased dramatically. And they've now actually doubled their total number of cases in the past week. And it was during that plateau when they thought they had it under control that NPB in Japan under you know the full sense of security that they were living in actually started its preseason and was moving towards an opening day later this month. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how I was talking to Andrew Albers, who's over there pitching for the Orcs Buffalo. And you know he was pretty optimistic and hopeful that things were moving in the right direction and they were going to start playing. And you can still read that piece at sportsnet.ca. I mean, it, it still holds, but Japan may have de-escalated some of its mitigation measures a little too quickly, as we're seeing with the spike in cases recently, including three three cases on an NPB team, the Hanshin Tigers, which has shut down NPB entirely. Now that late April opening date appears to be off the table by tomorrow. It's expected Japan's going to declare a state of emergency. So, you know, when we're thinking about when MLB might start up again, Ben, and when there could possibly be a 2020 season and some of these scenarios being thrown around, to me, that's a bit of a cautionary tale of how things could go if you try to start up too soon. Yeah, exactly. And they are obviously thought when they were starting up that it wasn't too soon. They thought that things were under control and that it was reasonable. I'm sure they consulted with health officials before making that decision and they did seem to be ahead of the curve when it came to preventing the spread of the coronavirus. So it does just go to show that even when we get to a point that some health officials are saying that it's safe to go ahead, we probably still need to be cautious. And, you know, the league will be incentivized to try to get things going. And on a societal level, like I get it, I think that it would be nice to have sports back as kind of a unifying force or a distraction in tough times. I think that'd be great. But there's no point in trying to do it if you're just not capable to withstand that kind of stress on a society's healthcare system, on the travel that would be required to make that happen. So as you're saying, yeah, maybe you get to a point in a month or a couple months where it's more of a debate, but we're looking at a need for a lot of caution. And I think the example of the NPB would reinforce that. Yeah, I think it's the mistake a lot of people are making where they're looking for like this date where life just goes back to normal and where we don't have to do any of this stuff again. And you're not going to get a date because there is no date because life is just different now. You know, when we get to the other side of this curve and we, you know, start to see signs that we've mitigated the outbreak and gotten things under control, like it's just, it's nothing's going back to normal. There's no like, phew, thank God that's over. Like everyone back to what you were up to, everyone as you were. The measures, they have to continue. You don't want to make the same assumptions that perhaps were made in Japan or, you know, you look at places like Germany, France, Belgium, what we're going through now in Canada, they went through weeks ago when the epicenter of the virus was in Europe. Obviously, you know, the worst of that was in Italy and Spain, and they're still very much in the weeds. But like some of those neighboring countries were able to get a handle on things and mitigate damage and kind of get to the other side of the curve. But even though they're seeing a reduction in, in the number of daily new cases, they're still going to be fully locked down like until the end of this month. 
And then when they begin easing restrictions, it's going to happen a very deliberate and gradual way. You know, businesses may start reopening and like certain public institutions may start coming back to life. And maybe you can go get together with your friends again, but you're still going to have a ban on mass gatherings of, I don't know, 50 or more. You might have people ordered to wear masks in public. You're probably going to have your temperature taken every time you enter a business, any kind of building. I mean, these are the restrictions that we're going to see on the other side of this. And a lot of them are going to prevent MLB baseball games from being played. Could you get to a point where you could have games without fans under those conditions? Like maybe, you know, it's possible, but you would need rapid testing and you would need to take every precaution and you would need to strictly limit the amount of people in the building. The point is the countries that are way ahead of where we are now in North America, that reality for them is still months away. So for us, that reality is even further than that, especially in the United States, which is, you know, about to have its worst week yet. Yeah, it's scary stuff. And like you said, there's so many things about this that are just not going to go back to normal. I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, are we going to shake everyone's hand the way we used to? Or are we going to still go to hot yoga and spin classes? Or, or maybe people do more stretching in their basements, kind of the way you were saying, you know, as opposed to going to these high density workouts surrounded by all kinds of people or cruises or even just using cash to pay for things. So many things are going to change. We haven't begun to really probably imagine the extent of that change, but it's pretty clear that it's not going back to normal. It's stretching. It's not yoga. It's stretching. Right. right. Um, <laughs> MLB, you know, continues you know, throughout the industry to, to take measures to address some of these challenges that, that everybody's facing. One of those being minor leaguers. We talked about that previously on the podcast about MLB clubs continuing to pay minor league players their allowances into the month that we're currently in. Originally, that was only supposed to happen up until about the end of this week. Now that's been extended through till the end of May. That's a piece of good news for minor leaguers. They're still going to get those allowances, which are somewhere around $400 a week, somewhere in that area. And as we all know, it can be kind of tricky to live on $400 a week, but it's really tricky to live on $0 a week. So this should at least marginally help a really sizable population of professional baseball players that are pretty poorly compensated at the best of times. You know, now that I think of it, there's probably actually some guys who maybe are, this is a pay raise for them, but that's at least a, a good piece of news for minor leaguers who obviously weren't addressed in that MLB, MLB PA deal that came down a couple of weeks ago then. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you're looking at thousands of players across the country now who are scattered trying to work out. And even in the conversations that we have with major league players, guys who have some money and some resources, it's not easy for them to work out. It's definitely a challenge. So then you add to that the economic stress and even the personal stress of trying to make a roster. It's a much different challenge for those guys. So it is nice to see that they're going to be somewhat equipped to handle that and to have some resources. And I think also, even if you look at it from a business standpoint, you're saying it's pretty clear that Helping them with at least a little bit of money is going to enable them to stay in better shape, to eat better, to do all those things that they need to do if and when that season does pick up, whether it's this summer, whether it's this fall or even later, these guys need to be in shape and you're not going to accomplish that if you don't equip them with at least some sort of means. Yeah, I mean, if every club is trying to develop a really strong system and trying to develop players internally, which has been the secret to success for a lot of really good MLB teams recently, well, it stands to reason that you would want to give those individuals every resource that you can and every opportunity that 
you can in order to fulfill that development. But, you know, of course, that's also just the players, the teams are, you know, most invested in developmentally. Like there's in a minor league system, like there's a lot of players who would be quote unquote org guys, organizational players who are just filling out rosters. And if the minor leagues look a lot different after all is said and done with the COVID-19 pandemic, and I do think that the minor leagues will look dramatically different and probably be a lot smaller. Well, there's going to be a lot less of those organizational guys around. And I appreciate that this is just a really cynical thought right now, but you know, if clubs don't want to continue playing, paying some of those individuals, those $400 a week, well, they could probably just release those minor leaguers because the MLB roster freeze, I mean, that's for guys on the 40 man roster, but if you're a minor leaguer, like you can still be released right now. So if the club isn't overly invested in that individual, I mean, and if the club isn't expecting there to be a minor league season this year, and if they're expecting things to be a lot different after the pandemic, man, a lot of those organizational guys could, you know, be kind of bled out of the game. Like, yeah, it's not for nothing, but according to Baseball America, which does a great job rounding up minor league transactions, Blue Jays released a slew of players last month from the minor leagues. And I don't know that that was in response to the pandemic or to, you know, the realities of what the minor league season may or may not look like in 2020, but a number of players were let go. One of them, Roman Fields, who Blue Jays fans might be familiar with. Like that's a guy who's been with the Buffalo Bisons the last couple of years and a guy who, you know, at times there was a thought that maybe he could be called up for some speed off the bench for the Blue Jays in certain situations. So that's a reality minor leaguers could be facing as well. Absolutely. And it's part of the churn of the minor leagues in any season, really. And in a season like this, where there is so much uncertainty, it's probably made worse. I mean, those guys are, are in a position now where they're out of the game. They have no place to climb their way back up the ranks. There's no indie ball. There's nothing. So absolutely, those guys are now on the outside looking in. But at least, you know, some of those minor league prospects, the guys working their way up and probably more likely to be on a Baseball America top 10 list. Those guys at least have something to kind of piece things together during this time of uncertainty. I also think about some of the non-roster invitees who are in big league camps and we kind of think about, you know, player populations who are being affected by this and maybe aren't talked about enough. Those are guys who were in camps on, you know, minor league deals, not on the 40-man roster. They're trying to make teams. They don't have guaranteed contracts. And so I, I would think the stoppage hit them pretty severely. Fortunately, late last week, the Players Association announced a program that's going to provide some income to to those individuals. It's going to be relative to their prior MLB service time. So they can get anywhere from five to $50,000, depending on how much big league service time they have. So look, that's something again, just like with the minor league players, like it's not an amount of money that's going to make your year. or going to make you feel too comfortable going into 2021 and 2022, but at least you will have some income to count on as these individuals kind of assess the next steps in their careers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's again, something and it makes sense to have some sort of agreement in place for those players but i'm sure that all these players right now are still facing you know a huge amount of uncertainty still trying to figure out their maybe less so their financial futures for the guys who have some time in the major leagues but everything from workouts to location to dealing with you know family and friends all that would be up in the air so having that at least financial element of it in place it would be helpful for sure but even at like the 
high end of that. So even if you got the full $50,000, I mean, that's what kind of a year are you having on $50,000 if you have a spouse and a kid or two kids? And for, you know, individuals like that, those are mostly veteran players and guys who are, you know, in their early to mid thirties and and might be in those types of situations. Like in the Blue Jays case, like I, I would think of the bullpen guys who are competing for jobs in camp, Philippe Beaumont, Brian Moran, AJ Cole, Justin Miller. Like those are kind of the individuals who are probably, you know, going to be benefited by an assistance program like this. And it's tough sledding being a veteran bullpen guy, right? On a non-roster deal. Like those are guys who have been up and down between the majors and minors over the course of their career. You know, they're guys who have kind of perpetually been competing for their jobs, like not only during spring training, you know, you kind of think about the way that MLB front offices have almost like devalued relievers and been really reticent to commit dollars in term to them over previous seasons. Like you think about like that Brett Cecil deal, right? Like, whoa, was that like, you know, four years, 30, $32 million, something like that, Ben, like that even from today's perspective seems wild that a team would spend that on a reliever. Clubs just don't spend that type of money on bullpen arms. Like, you know, look at the blue. Jays like every year it's who's going to be the low risk short term deal coming out of the bullpen whether it's John Axford or you know Joe Smith or Senwano David Phelps and on and on and like you understand the team's perspective like relief performance is volatile and health is uncertain you understand the clubs don't want to type a bunch of payroll there but you know the other side of that is that there's kind of a class of pitchers who are perpetually on those one-year deals or those minor league deals with invites and they're kind of piecing together their careers in a much more uncertain way than a 40-man player with a guaranteed contract. It's heartening to see guys like that at least know they have some income during this year without baseball, but it's only going to go so far. Right. There are definite limitations for 95% of professional players, really. And of course, we end up focusing on the guys like Will Smith last offseason who signs a three-year $39 million contract or Brett Cecil, like you mentioned, those are the guys that we end up remembering and they stick in our minds. But for every Will Smith, how many guys are out there just grinding away through the minor leagues, non-roster invite to non-roster invite? And those are the guys that this money is intended for, right? It's not the guys who have big signing bonuses and multi-year contracts, even though for them, you know, they still have their own set of problems like anybody does in this situation. But really, it's like you said, the AJ Coles, these guys who are on the edge, they don't know if they're going to make the team. And even if they do make the team, there might not be a team to play for. I mean, that's like a guy like Joe Panic, right? Where, all right, he's on the roster. That's great. That helps him toward his MLB pension and service time. But ultimately, he's still in uncertain territory because the team that he just made may or may not play games anytime soon. Yeah, it's going to affect just every industry, really, and every kind of segment of society, which is how things work in a global pandemic. And it's going to be the story of 2020 and maybe even some of 2021. One guy who is fortunate enough to have a guaranteed big league deal is Randall Grichuk. And he's going to join us after this. Interested to hear what he's been up to during this time off, how he's able to work out and, and stay in shape and just what his thoughts are on everything that's happening right now with MLB and the Blue Jays. So after this, Blue Jays center fielder, Randall Grichuk. Randall Grichuk is with us. Thank you uh, so much for joining us off the top. Where are you? 
what's going on? How are you coping during all this? How are you doing? How's the family doing? I mean, what's this all been like for you right now, Randall? So uh, I'm actually in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm at my fiance's house right now, but family in Houston's doing well. Her family out here is doing well. And you know, I try to pass the time, uh, enjoying it and actually bought a couple bikes, been cruising, doing some biking, just trying to, you know, get through these tough times. Yeah, it definitely is a weird time for everyone involved when you're kind of out there, obviously far away from the game of baseball and no definite return date. What does a typical day look like for you as you try to kind of balance the short term need to stay sane with obviously the long term question of for medium term of hopefully coming back playing baseball soon yeah most definitely trying to stay sane is the first part me and my fiance went out and each got a bike so we'll wake up and we'll bike anywhere from 10 to 20 the most we've gone is 30 miles and then grab a bite to eat at the house and uh work out during the day i've been trying to throw and run still just in case if we do play in the near future obviously that's not looking too great but uh try to throw and run to keep the arm in shape. I think that's the one thing that's toughest to gain back if we are told we're going to play, you know, and not giving us much time. So trying to keep that in shape and then getting the lift in here at the house, went and bought some weights at a local sporting goods store recently, right when we got home actually, and try to get a lift in, can do what I can in the backyard and then cook dinner at the house. So don't really leave too much other than biking. Yeah, I'm not too worried about your cardio, hearing about those bike rides. I'm curious about swinging a bat. When's the last time you had the, uh, the opportunity to do that? So there's actually a cage that's open for pro guys here in Phoenix from 11 to 1. So I've gotten a chance to go out there a couple times. Um, you know, I'm trying to kind of risk versus reward on keeping the swing in shape versus you want to stay in shape there, but you don't want to get sick at the same time. So, you know, I've gone a couple times since I've been home and I'll probably go more closer to knowing or seeing this kind of flatten out. Yeah, it is definitely a balancing act. It seems like for everyone these days. And is it a different feeling? Like, you know, obviously if you're hitting, it's not like you're necessarily, you know, playing basketball or something where you're going to have all kinds of contact. But if you're hitting balls in a batting cage, is that a different feeling than what it would normally be in that same spot if you were there under different circumstances? I mean, I think when I'm in there working, I'm in there working. It's like a normal day, you know, but I think more of the lines of like I'm not too sure on the virus standpoint on how long it stands or how long it'll stay on baseballs you know so I don't know how many people have used them before me and and if they've been washing their hands and you know being clean and safe and healthy so that's the only thing that kind of worries me when it comes to hitting but you know the couple times before it did get worse you know I was in there working like a normal day just trying to make sure the swing felt good like it did in spring training so when, when we do get back going you know, I can hit the ground running and, and pick up where I left off and not knock the rust off you know I've kind of heard two schools of thought from athletes with this you know with not having games right now like one of them being that well this is a good opportunity to really heal up right and if you're you know carrying anything or playing through anything like when play resumes you'll be in much better shape and much more healthy but like I've also heard athletes express that well, you know, not having that constant competition, that's what keeps a lot of guys going and helps a lot of guys stay in peak condition. So I'm kind of curious how you, you know, what your perspective on that is as an athlete. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those tough things. You know, I think that, you know, you can heal if what needs healing doesn't require treatment. You know, if it doesn't require rehab, then yeah, it's a great time for you to heal. But if, if you require, you know, some form of a treatment, then that's kind of tough. And then, you know, I'd like to say all you can do is work out and you can kind of stay in shape and 
in that aspect, but there's a lot of guys that don't have access to gyms due to the, they closed down and, you know, guys don't have home gyms. So like we did, we just went and bought all the weights we could at a sporting goods store and, you know, that's what we get after it with. So it's kind of, you know, I feel like a two headed sword each way, no matter how you look at it, you can do the pros and cons to both sides, but the competition wise, it's definitely how I get that is, is the biking. You know, I want to go faster and faster each day and go further and further each day. And some days I got to tell the fiance, I'm going to go on my own just because I know she won't want to go as far or go as fast for, for as long. So it's the only competition I can have now. I guess that's something. It is like such a contrast, right? Because when you think back like three or four weeks, it wasn't quite to the final, final days of spring training, but you guys were, you know, you would start to hear players say like, hey, you know what, I'm ready for the season to start. There had been already a month of spring at that point, and it was heading toward this moment where everything starts to count. So what was that experience like for you when it goes from this big ramp up, like the all off season work going into this, and then it just stops? What was that feeling like for you? I mean, something that I've never experienced before, obviously, you know, we were kind of getting ready for the season, starting to pack up the spring training house and put the extra luggage on the truck to go to Toronto and, you know, kind of getting ready to head off to Montreal. And I think it was like right at a week, pretty much. So, you know, it's one of those times where in that moment, in those days, you know, they were expecting it to be a couple weeks, you know, maybe a month type of thing and we'll be back. So it didn't really hit you until you got home and it was like, wow, hey, we might not play for two, three months. We might not play at all, you know, things that we're saying. So in those moments in, in Florida, it was, it was sad, but kind of, hey, OK, we'll take a break, get this thing under control and then we'll be back. And and now it's kind of hit you hard in the aspect of it might not be a couple weeks. It was such a good spring for the club as well. You know, nobody had really had any you know serious injuries. Uh, you guys are playing some good baseball. I mean, you yourself, you had a few home runs. You know, you're swinging the bat well. I mean, what was kind of the sense going into the season of what the team was capable of? Yeah, I mean, that was probably the most frustrating part. I felt good. I felt like the team was playing really well. You know, we didn't have any of those major injuries. The only injuries we did have were injuries that were going into spring that we knew we had. So we were playing healthy baseball and I, and for the most part, I think everybody looked really good. I felt like you know, there, the talks around the clubhouse was hey, let's go. Let's let's jump out to a good start. Let's hit the ground running and you know, let some of these teams that are hurt fall behind and take command of this division early and let people know where we're at. <laughs> and then unfortunately this happens. Yeah, that's a, it's a big contrast. When you think about the amount of time that you guys spend together in the course of a normal spring training and the course of a normal regular season, you guys are always, you know, at the ballpark, team bus or team hotel on a flight. It's a lot of time together. Have you ended up keeping in touch with guys as this is all unfolded in the last three, four weeks? Yeah, I think definitely early on, um, I kept in touch with a lot of guys just due to the fact of trying to figure out what's going on. You know, what is the player union saying? What's MLB saying? And I was getting fed those information. So a lot of the guys were reaching out and trying to hear what I've been hearing and then lately now it's just kind of been keeping in touch you know uh, have you heard anything new or you know kind of what are you up to and you know it is kind of sad you know I talked to a couple guys just this week and they mentioned what happens if we don't play you know like we've never been apart for that long you know the most it's been four months and now it, it could possibly be what eight ten months or something like that you know if we don't get back until next spring 
I mean, a lot of things change at that point. And you've got kind of an interesting role in that clubhouse with a lot of younger guys and, and you're a guy who's been around for a while. So what kind of questions do you find maybe you're getting from a guy like Boba Shad or Captain Biggio or, or whoever? And what are you trying to uh, kind of tell them at this time? I mean, a lot of guys are just kind of asking, what have I heard? You know, what do I think about, are we playing? Are we not playing? And when are we going to play? And, you know, pretty much tell them the same thing that, you know, I think. And that's just take it day by day. Obviously we got to let this flatten out and, you know, see what happens. You know, there's a lot of rumors that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, there's still hope in the aspect of starting into June, July, August, and still getting enough games in to be able to play. So uh, there still is time, but it's definitely going to be longer than they said at the beginning. Sounds like some of the guys have been coming to you for updates and, and obviously you've been keeping up to date on the news and everything like that. But do you get to a point at all when you see all this news and it's obviously it's, very negative and, and understandably so it's it's a scary time for the world but you kind of have to find ways to unplug a little bit and get away from the news cycle of what's happening in the world i think biking does that you know me and my fiance binge watch shows in downtime and you know that we kind of pick characters and kind of get involved in that show and kind of take our mind elsewhere but you know i try not to think about it too much i understand that we're not going to be playing for the next few weeks at minimum you know so i'm trying to not not think about it because I know the more and more you think about it, the more and more depressing, so to speak, it, it makes you feel just due to we should be playing right now. You know, we should be out there taking the field tonight and and we're not, unfortunately. So trying to just have to keep a positive mindset and understand that baseball will be back at some point and don't get caught up in the negative thoughts of it not returning or it taking longer than you wanted to be or things of that sort. Before uh, spring training was shut down, I'm just curious what you thought of, you know, how guys like Bo and Kevin Vladdy, you know, showed up to spring this year, you know, in, in another year in big league camp where they kind of knew that they were on the team and maybe they felt a bit more like themselves and a bit more comfortable. I'm curious what you thought of the way they kind of evolved and developed this year yeah i mean they look good i mean every game that i played with them they they put together good at bats i mean every game i played with Bo, i felt like he either hit a homer or hit an extra base hit and vladdy was just squaring balls up and biggio was putting together his biggio at bats or long at bats and working the pitcher and i felt like we were gelling well as a team and talent wise on the field you know i think we were going to be able to surprise a lot of teams this year you know we had some arms show up and spring that we've been hearing about in the minor leagues for a couple of years and that we haven't really got a chance to see too much of and they looked great and you know it was one of those things where I thought we were going to be able to step up and prove some people wrong and surprise some people and then unfortunately all this happened but I'm expecting it to pick up exactly where it left off when we get back as well as it you know, team standpoint and the talents there, you know, it's just a matter of getting back out there and playing with the pause uh, ongoing at this point, there's obviously no current games happening, but a lot of people have turned to, you know, past games that, that happened in the eighties or the nineties or the two thousands, whatever the case, looking back through those classic games, do you find yourself looking for a baseball fix in any way to try to kind of connect with the game? Is that something that you found yourself doing at all? I'll like get on Twitter every now and then and see some games that, have been played some highlights so to speak but i haven't watched a full game or sat back i know they've been playing games on a lot of the channels but i'll just kind of see some games that i watched growing up watch a few clips here and there but uh now i think it's kind of you know almost saddening seeing games when knowing we should be out there playing and i know a lot of the guys you know that i've talked to have been 
just kind of missing the competition and missing being out there. And just, you know, we've never really been in the house for very long. You know, if you think about a season, you're at the stadium all day, right? It's spring training. You're at the stadium all day. And in the off season, I, you know, I get up and I go to the gym in the morning at roughly seven in the morning and I don't get home if it's for, you know, an hour throughout the day until about five o'clock when I'm done with everything. So you're never really just sitting at home. So I think it's kind of the change of being inside and being home and not on the go so much that we're not used to. Well, it sounds like the Tour de France career at least is coming around for you. Oh, it is. I might have to pick it up. <laughs> we thank you for joining us. Enjoy the bike rides and uh, hopefully we'll see you on a field soon, man. We'll do. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Our thanks to Randall Gritchuk for joining us. Good to catch up with him and hear how he's passing this strange April without baseball. Something that Ben and I are doing without current baseball to watch is watching old baseball. And hopefully you're all watching it along with us. Sportsnet is replaying the 1993 World Series all this week, every night on Sportsnet games one through six. Ben just watching some of these games and, you know, getting ready to watch them. I know you've been digging up the time capsules and looking at old newspaper headlines and box scores and things like that. What kind of stands out to you about that series as you kind of look at it almost three decades later now? Oh, wow, it's a long time. Yeah, it is fun to dig back through it. I think when you look at the broadcast now, obviously the entire production is so different. Even some of the walk-off celebrations are a bit more muted than they would be now. Just little things, right? Like the in-game managerial decisions are way different. I mean, that makes sense in the course of decades that that would change pretty dramatically. That's always fun. It's even fun looking at, you know, almost trying to observe what's still the same. And that can be a shorter list, but it's kind of fun seeing that the Jays are back in those kind of classic uniforms now after some forays into, you know, the black Jays and some different looks like the Jays are in that same uniform, the Braves, the Phillies. So you, you kind of have some things that are really consistent, you know, guys like Tony La Russa is still around the game of baseball or Roberto Alomar is still around the game. So you have some of these constants, but Really, I'd say mostly it's a reminder of how much things have changed. And certainly on a personal level, like I was just a little kid at the time. So it's it's just a very different way of looking at these games after so much time. Managerial stuff really does stand out to me. I think on the 93 World Series, was it game five that Schilling pitches? He throws like 147 pitches, Wow, which is like mind boggling. And then I think it was game five. And then in game six, Dave Stewart is like back out for the seventh, like trying to protect a lead or protect the tie. I forget the exact circumstances, but you know, like first two runners reach and he's at like 110 pitches and Cito's like, yep, you're staying in there. <laughs> like, you know, rusted bullpen, like they just had an off day. Things that if they happened in today's game, like managers would be just like run out of town for are just commonplace because it was just the game was handled so, so differently back then and nobody really bad an eye. Yeah, like you have to wonder in the course of a World Series, you know, maybe that's too small of a sample. But if you were to manage over and over like a five-year period period of a team in the playoffs and making potentially some deep runs those managerial calls really could make a big difference you know whether it was the jays in the early 90s or the twins or the tigers or the braves or any of those teams from the late 80s early 90s that were regularly in the playoffs if you had a manager who was managing by even replacement level for 2020 that manager would have really made some gains on the competition at that time yes definitely no doubt so watch for that this week on sports 
Sportsnet, 1993 World Series being relived every night. And then next week on Sportsnet, it's going to be the 2015 ALDS against the Texas Rangers, which is a series that obviously is still pretty fresh in, in everyone's minds. It's going to be really interesting to go back and watch those games again and get to kind of live the crazy drama that played out throughout that series from 2015. So you can catch all those games on Sportsnet. You can obviously catch at Letters. Wherever you get your podcast, we will be continuing to uh, talk about whatever baseball there is to talk about in the coming weeks. I want to thank our producer, Amal Delich, for helping us out this week. I want to thank Randall Grichuk for joining us. I want to thank all of you for listening. Talk to you next week on At The Letters.